I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And I'm Charlie Moran. And we love to watch. We love to watch thinks the dead are at best morally ambiguous. Shotgun Willie sits around in his underwear. Biting on a bullet, pulling out all of his hair. A shotgun Willie's got all of his family there. Hey Pete. Hey Charlie. Hey. Hi. How are you guys doing? Well, um... (laughs) it's not a loaded question. You just say all right, and then we move on with announcing the show, Peter. Yeah, yeah. Doing fine. Doing fine. I got this rash. It's just not clearing up. um, No matter how hard I spank it. Um, What, uh, Charlie? How are you doing, dude? I got some eczema that's not clearing up either. Let's talk about that. (sighs) He's like, I've been going around giving rashes to people. (laughs) <laughs> Char- little known German folklore like is the decision. is the is the is the rash fairy who visits <laughs> children at night uh, and rubs sa- uh, sand pepper soaked in bleach on their on their uh, appendages. What is he punishing them for, though? Germans. Um, <laughs> sure. They, I mean, they've grown a lot and we've become worse. But there was a time where German folklore was mostly how do we fuck with children? So. Listen to our Krampus uh, episode for more information on that, I guess. But hey, what yeah, we love to watch. Like, are you a child that's staring at the woods too long? <laughs> <laughs> Don't get any funny ideas. I haven't seen you cobble a fucking thing. <laughs> the rash fairy with you. <laughs> uh, which is actually ties in well to what we're talking about today. Because uh, and this is about this is an episode about ancient evil who punishes uh, without with seemingly without rhyme or reason and just to be cruel. And uh, that movie is Evil Dead Two, which we are covering on Evil Dead Month on We Love to Watch, a movie podcast that picks a theme and does movies over the course of that month on that theme. And uh, yeah, it's our third week. We uh, we're going through it's Spooktober. It's our holiest time of the year. Um. And we uh, we're going through the Evil Dead series, and that is all of it. So we're doing minus maybe the video games and random comic books, but uh, all the uh, filmed versions of Evil Dead. We did Evil Dead or the Evil Dead from 1981. We did Evil Dead last week, uh, and now we're jumping back into the Raimi trilogy with uh, Evil Dead Two: Colon Dead by Dawn, <laughs> and uh, then yeah, next week Army Darkness and. We'll be wrapping it up with a Halloween special of all three seasons of Ash versus the Evil Dead, our first ever 18-hour episode, uh, <laughs> based on the amount of notes that I have written as I go through this. So, uh, yeah, but Evil Dead 2, this is kind of one of the Holy Grail episodes where it is a a movie that has basically, I think, in, in our generation's has kind of shot ahead to this like platonic ideal of a gory movie, a horror comedy movie, a just a straight horror movie, a 80s horror movie. Like this kind of ticks all the boxes that you could have for like what you want out of 80s horror movies um, and just horror movies in general. I, I'm actually, as I'm saying this out loud, I can't think of a person in my life that I have met who has seen this movie and doesn't like it. And I'm not saying those people don't exist and not everyone likes every movie, but this this is like, it feels like something from a fucking old, like, 
commercial, right? Like the the horror movie that all your friends can agree on. Um, and so this is a big one for us to cover. And even though it's not my personal favorite of the series, we'll talk about that one next week. It is a amazing, just a perfect movie across the board. Oh yeah, definitely. Like this is the this is also a horror movie where like every year when Halloween comes around, uh, my wife is willing to watch it with me, which is like a very that's a very small list of horror movies. Um, and just being in the same room with you. Oh yeah, yeah. It takes a lot to bring her in, which just speaks to the power of Sam Raimi's filmmaking. Um, and uh, and under ninety movies. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, if it was more than, you know, he, he knew when to get out. Um, hey, we're watching Quiet. Get out. No, we're fucking not. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. But yeah, this is this is you. You said it. You said it right. This is uh, one of those movies that like I think you can get anyone behind either because they'll laugh at it as like a bad movie, which is decidedly not. They'll appreciate it as a comedy, or they will just be sucked into the nightmare kaleidoscope of violence that it is. Yeah, it is a movie that I always think is like it is a very funny movie, but it's a movie that I always remember being more comedy in my head and then when i watch it i'm like man this is like a truly like intense and grueling experience even if it has a lot of uh comedic stuff but it just never stops it is always just throwing stuff at you sometimes you know literally throwing uh the characters at you through you know fast camera angles or people flying into the screen or just all of a sudden <laughs> deers making faces and like it is it is an extremely intense and almost like tiring experience mm-hmm. that um even at the end of 85 minutes which is how short this movie is it feels like you've like almost done like a workout you're like okay oof let me catch my breath and that <laughs> That is something that I think gets uh, – I'm excited to talk about that more tonight because I do think that that gets – that gets like left to the side a lot of times during Evil Dead 2 discretion, discussions. Everyone remembers how it you know, took the horror concept that was kind of a little over the top and kind of accidentally funny occasionally in Evil Dead and, and, and kind of solidified it, said we're going to go bigger. We're going to be funny on purpose. But I think it's it's not Dead Alive. Dead Alive is a, another great example of like over-the-top gore comedy that very much hits that comedic tone. It has slowly developing set pieces. This truly is not to sound like fucking Gene Shalit. It's a roller coaster for 85 <laughs> minutes. It doesn't stop. Yeah, and like as a reference point, uh, I paused the movie six minutes in as Ash is burying his yeah. girlfriend Linda. Yeah, and he has already had a a fight with the dead. They have murdered his girlfriend, brought her back from the dead. He's killed her again. Like in six minutes, Ash has been on a fucking journey. They've also sort of recapped a little bit of the first movie because this movie is arguably you can make the argument this is a remake or a sequel uh it's it's uh the first it's it's unintentionally that but it's almost the first soft reboot uh yeah we'll talk about that yeah but it does it, it it does essentially it's not i don't think it's a remake of the first movie it does remake the first movie like the first seven it, minutes yeah. are like yeah. we're gonna get to the point that we left you and Evil Dead, which is basically Ash getting possessed, and then we're going to go from there. But also, we don't have the rights to rehab it. Uh, but 
And while um, we're talking about that really quickly, you know yeah. what Sam Raimi calls uh, his Evil Dead movies, he calls Drag Me to Hell, his horror movies, you know, his like coined term for them? Uh, yeah, the big bucks. <laughs> That's <laughs> where Raimi gets paid. That's where he gets he paid. He fucking hates Drag these movies. <laughs> um, he wants uh, to make more He called Westerns. him a spookablast. Yeah. No, he didn't. Blast. No. Yeah, that's his. That's his like his terminology for like these crazy carnival ride horror movies where it feels like a fun house, like what Aaron said. Like roller coaster isn't quite accurate. Like, like what, a horror uh, roll. Like, uh, like uh, so here in Minneapolis they have Valley Fair, which is like a, a theme park, and then for October they do like Spooky Valley Fair, where it's like the roller <laughs> the roller coasters that are intense on themselves, but also like skeletons pop up. That's what we got. We got a Spooky yeah, Valley Fair, exactly. And like Ramy uh, grew up in uh, grew up in Michigan with his buddies Bruce Campbell, Rob Tapper, Scott Spiegel, the like whole crew uh, that he took with from movie to movie, uh, largely. Um, he, he was, he's basically said in interviews, he's like, I wanted to, with these crazy ass movies, I wanted to recreate, like, when you go to a carnival and go to, like, a fun house scary yeah. ride, or scary, like, you know, uh, haunted house experience. Like, I wanted to recreate that, but in a movie where shit is just constantly going at you for an very intense period of time, and then they get the hell out of there. Yeah. And, and very successful. Now, before we get too deep into the movie, um, this movie is not just a... I think a, um, a, again, an amazing horror movie, but it's also the type of movie that ends up making people lifetime horror fans. It, it, it's a, it, I feel like it's a movie that people see when they're younger in a lot of cases and go, oh, more movies like that, please. And then they go through trying to find um, other movies that match this tone or this gore level or something like that. And it ends up being kind of one of those like foundational movies for a fandom. And so the reason I'm bringing that up is I don't know if this is true. So this could be a terrible segue if this doesn't match. But we haven't introduced our guest who is returning guest Charlie Moran. Peter's brother. Older brother. Um, and I imagine – I know that Peter came to this movie – uh, through or the series, sorry, through Evil Dead too, and I also know that when we were coming up with guests for this month, Peter was very adamant about having Charlie as a guest, and I was against it, but he wore me. That's not That's not true. I was very happy to, to have enough of back. our. Yeah, uh, I eventually gave food poisoning to enough of our roster that Aaron had to accept it as an yeah. answer. <laughs> so yeah, Charlie, introduce yourself, and then I'm, I'm excited to hear. How did this become a brovid for you guys? Wow. Uh, hi, I am uh, Peter's uh, older brother, Charlie. Uh, I was on the other episode where we talked about the blob. And uh, Evil Dead 2 is... Peter, do we watch this together? I feel like this is a movie you and I watched like late at night with some beers on the couch. But yeah, I don't... this is a movie. So like when I was first coming into being like a horror fan, largely because of Charlie, uh, Charlie helped uh, make me the freak I am today. Uh, was, how old was he? You. Like 19, you think? Co when I was in college, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. And Charlie. Uh, so probably day... like a like a Brovid 19 movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Just a, a simple Brovid. Uh, a bro video. Um, the uh, but yeah, this was this was something where like I was getting into horror movies. Charlie was very much encouraging it from uh, from a young age. And uh, 
Basically, you started encouraging it from an age where I could watch the movies but not go crying to mom that I was having a nightmare. Um, it was like, which is good because like, you guys shared a room, as we learned last episode. Yeah. So as soon as it wouldn't backfire, basically, he, yeah. was, he opened the doors. And this was a movie he, like bought me on DVD, uh, and then we watched together like many, many times over the years. Eventually, over beers. But like when I was in like junior high, it was just like us staying up way too late to watch like the most grisly, crazy shit in the world. And it was like, it became like a weird, like 20 year uh, addiction now where like every time I get together with Charlie, I'm like, we got to watch something gross, right? Yeah. So Charlie, um, you're probably going to know this better than than Peter. I have to imagine that Evil Dead 2 was one of the one of the first. Like if you're going, I got to show my brother some gory shit that will make mom and dad angry. Um, but won't make him pee his pants in the middle of the night or wake up my parents or tell on me. Hopefully he wants more. I gotta, like, Evil Dead 2 has to be in the first couple, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was a movie that, like, all of my, like, like, punk and emo friends were, like, watching, like, in high school and college. Like, they were into this. They were very into, like, Dead Alive. Um, they're, they're very, very into all like the Peter Jackson kind of like gross out movies. Um, like they were into like, um, like all kinds of weird cult movies and stuff. And I'm pretty sure they're the ones that turned me on to this movie. And then I think I brought it home to Peter. Yeah. And, and, but he would, I would just like, when I would come home from college, we would just like, although I guess you weren't drinking beers with me, but like, we would just come home and watch like all kinds of movies like late in tonight. And like, oh, yeah. and like Chuck, yeah. Chuck and Diane were none the wiser as to what any of the like messed up things we watched together were. Yeah, it was very similar with my brother, who's closest in age to me. That you know, we come home from college, give give him Smirnoff Ices, mm-hmm. and watch whatever whatever uh, my friends had introduced me with over the time. Uh, so yeah, Charlie, it sounds like you and I could have been friends in college. Mm-hmm. Peter and I not so much because it'd be weird hanging out with a nine-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> like if he's not my brother and if I'm just like, hey, dude, brought some beers. We're going to watch Evil Dead 2. <laughs> it's fine. I know you like horror movies. <laughs> it's funny. I visited Charlie when he was in college at one point and I'm seven years younger than him. So, okay. So I 11. Know. I was, yeah, I was Way really, I, I could have done that then. Yeah. So I was, I was really young and Charlie being a responsible older brother, like he didn't like, uh, I don't know, give me drugs or booze or anything. Um, mm-hmm. but we did go, we went to like, we went and like saw, I think Dawn of the dead in theaters, oh, yeah. um, in like an Iowa mall theater. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, it was like a very, it was a very funny like college first visit thing because like I remember uh, our mom calling like a few different times, be like, "You didn't give him booze, did you?" And then I did get like some sort of like stomach grossness. I don't know if I ate like, I, I mean, I, <laughs> we have bad stomachs. I might have just eaten cheese. So, um, <laughs> and, 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 and then my first reaction was like, my mom was like, "Did you give him booze?" <laughs> You must have been a fun 11-year-old, Peter. Oh, like, yeah. oh, does this have cheese in it? <laughs> oh, no. I have no, I to just... leave the sleepover. <laughs> no, no, no. It just means that I would have to light up their parents' toilet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the bad influence I was in my little brother. I was like, hey, hey, bud, want some cheese? Hey. I, got... <laughs> I, got... I, got some, uh, I got some Swiss. You got... Yeah. <laughs> 
Mom. Mom I heard about this thing on the internet called lactase. It's supposed to help you digest lactose. No, don't be a bitch. <laughs> I swear to God, if you go to college and you're taking lactate, <laughs> good luck having any friends. Charlie's shoving a deep dish pizza down a beer bong. <laughs> this is how we do it in Iowa. <laughs> you seen that state fair? That's just what we eat every day. It's every meal. <laughs> the difference in the state fair is you just do it in the middle of the street as opposed to, you know, in the comfort of your homes. You tuck a napkin in your shirt. Who does that? Even if you're like, just put a napkin in your shirt collar, I guess. And then you suck down those chili dogs. <laughs> Saves you a lot of heartache later, I think. Yeah. I, what, you, what I do is I just buy 10 shirts a month. And then, because every three days I eat a chili dog, and I just make a royal mess all over my my shirt, and then uh, I just throw the shirt out. So. I mean, that is a real thing that happens if you have if either of you guys ever decided to have kids, where you're like, oh, I, we should probably like give her a bath and change. Let's wait till after dinner because we're making mac and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be bad. There's no point in doing two ch- clothes change in in thirty minutes. Waste of time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, 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 Peter, you watched this. Did you guys, did you guys, uh, stick with Evil Dead 2? Or did it become one of those things where, like, I love this so much, I watch it ten times, and then maybe I go and poke around for the sequels? Because one thing I'll share a little more next week, for me, seeing Army of Darkness and not knowing there's not a two in the title, I think I probably watched that 50 times before someone was like, this is a sequel to something else. And uh, and then we kind of became obsessed with Evil Dead Two and, and loved it uh, a lot. But yeah, I mean, the, I, uh, does that make the 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 first five minutes of Army of Darkness make more sense? Where they spend uh, a lot of time recapping how Ash got to the Middle Ages. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, it obviously it makes a little more sense. I mean, a little more. Um, but it uh, I. I, you know, we'll probably talk about it more next week, or maybe we did or didn't. P.S. We already recorded that once. We may have talked about it. The movie itself was just like, oh, yeah, whatever. What the fuck? We can do whatever we want. Nothing needs to. Like, I'm going to pick what's cool and what's fun. So I thought it was more like, how do we explain a guy with a chainsaw hand getting back to the Middle Ages to, like, run his car into skeletons? Oh, here's what we'll do. Like, it for some reason, it didn't really necessarily click that this had to be a sequel to something. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, just like a kid in King Arthur's Court or whatever the, that book is called. Yeah, and uh, the movie just felt like it constantly threw away like the expectations of how a normal narrative worked, which is why I fell in love with it so much. Like, oh, we don't need to do that. Um, we can just do this because this would be cooler and funnier. Um, yeah. That that made sense to me a little bit. So, so yeah, but for you guys, obviously, not only Charlie probably knew, but Evil Dead 2 in the title implies the existence of an Evil Dead 1. Well, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure I saw this one and loved it and then went back and watched the first one. Like, I'm almost positive I saw this one first. Uh, and was Yeah, like, that's my that's that my order then, too, because you showed me these movies. So Yeah, I remember being kind of disappointed with the first one because it didn't quite, like, hit all the same kind of, like, pleasure points of my yeah. brain that, like, the second one did. It wasn't just this constant inundation, inundation of, like senses and gore and like atmosphere it was much it was much more traditional which disappointed me i think yeah Yeah. it's actually we talked a little bit about this but it's actually i think 
my like appreciation of Evil Dead grows over the years. But yeah, I thought of it more of like a a good movie, but sort of a footnote between Evil Dead Two and Army of Darkness. And now, because I was because specifically, I was comparing it to Evil Dead Two. Now, when I compare it to like horror movies or eighties horror movies or independent horror movies, I have a much greater appreciation for it than I think I did when I was just like, oh, well, yeah, you look at these two. Mm-hmm. You'll do the better. Yeah, and I, I saw, yeah, I saw Evil Dead 1 and um, or the Evil Dead, and then I saw Army of Darkness after I saw Evil Dead 2. And at the time, I was, I, I, there, were, there were several stars rating, star ratings lower than Evil Dead 2, because it, for me, Evil Dead 2 was this perfect, and you know, some of this is just biased because it was my first one, um, but it's yeah. just this perfect balancing point where Evil De- the Evil Dead um, wasn't, it, it's not a funny movie. I, I mm-hmm. that's something that I d- discussed a lot uh, two weeks ago. Um, it's it, 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 as Charlie says, the structure of it is pretty typical cabin in the woods stuff, which again, uh, you can't really fault a movie for helping create a template. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, um, but, uh, it's your typical that- night where the living dead come up. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> but the, um, uh, the 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 Evil Dead felt a little simple to me. I, I found it very like grody and like disturbing at times, but like it, it didn't like grab my my uh, adolescent brain the way Evil Dead Two did. And then Army of Darkness was like a little too silly for me at the time, mm-hmm. and it dropped a lot of the dread that I loved about Evil Dead Two, where Evil Dead Two would make me laugh, and then I'd feel like a genuine foreboding sense of like something bad is going to happen and it's completely unpredictable. Army of Darkness loses a lot of that. And what I didn't understand at the time was like, it's similar to like the Mad Max series where like they're just approaching different tones. They're all really well executing those tones, but they're just approaching the different sets of material with different director styles. And like, but but you'll never take away from me that, that like, that feeling that I'm like, well, Evil Dead 2 is the perfect balancing point, the perfect, uh, I don't want to use the word compromise, but the, per- the that perfect nexus point between um, all the things that I like uh, yeah. succeeding, mm-hmm. succeeding fully. Yeah, and uh, I, I agree with that completely. Um, and I would easily say, like, even though my personal affinity is to prefer uh, Army of Darkness, like... It rules, it rules. Yeah, making a top 100 movies both of those movies are going to be on it like how could they not i love them both yeah. so much mm-hmm. i watch evil dead 2 more now just because i watched army of darkness so much and again my pleasures from army of darkness are different than evil dead 2 like it's part of the same series but they're so different in their approaches evil dead 2 is the platonic ideal of a gory horror movie or a horror comedy army of darkness to me as I'll go into more detail next week, is like, what if you made a whole movie about the Indiana Jones scene where the guy pulls out the sword and he pulls out the gun? Like, two wildly different experiences. Um, and it's it's insane that I think two movies so perfect exist within the same series while not feeling like they are um, repetitive of each other. Like, they're just so different. Um, and I... And, but yeah, you're... I mean, there's no other way, better way to say it, right? Like, Evil Dead 2 has every, all the comedy of Army of Darkness, all the gore of of the original Evil Dead, and then just, like, a perfect confluence of, of all of those things. Um, and also just, like, we'll talk about it in more detail. Like, 
the fucking craziest ending. Like, I can't believe they did that shit. It, it feels they, normal now because yeah. I saw Army of Darkness first. It's like, well, obviously, I got to find out how he goes back in time eventually. But Jesus Christ, uh, just an insane way to end a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's let's talk. Let's talk about that briefly. So at the end of the movie, Ash ends up uh, in the Middle Ages. Uh, he ends up essentially at the beginning of uh, Army of Darkness. Uh, if they never made an Army of Darkness, um I think that would go down as one of the craziest endings in, in movie history. Uh, but the fact that they did make an army of darkness, it just feels like they're setting up a sequel. But the thing is like, that's like Babe Ruth calling a shot or something. Like they had no yeah. idea they had more money lined up and they had to fight their ass off to get army of darkness made. So it was only was cause them. it was a deal with making dark man. Like, which, you know, you fine, I'll do this dark man movie, but then I get to make army of darkness and it came. Yeah. Three or four years or four, yeah, five years later. So how do you I think mean, Sam Raimi Depp felt the day that he both got to make his uh, dark, grody, gross comic book movie? He got to make it as the shadow, like, yeah. And that was the one for them. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, I just I, like I. If I had been like a Fangoria, like nineteen ninety one, like can you imagine what that like? You love Evil Dead two. It's this perfect movie, and then one day you see a trailer, not on the internet. For like, not only are they doing an Evil Dead three, but they're they're actually going with their great, uh, well, fuck it, ending, and like just going with that. Like, I would have, I don't know, probably waited for a ticket because there's not. I mean, what are you gonna do? But um, I imagine that experience was just amazing for an Evil Dead two fan in like 1991, seeing the trailer for Army of Darkness. Like, oh yeah. I can't even think of an I can't think of an equivalent. Like I honestly can't think of a series that basically went did a fuck it ending only to then make that movie. There has to be something. Oh yeah, yeah. I <laughs> yeah, like uh, essentially, uh, uh, it, it's like the world, not any individual producer or director. It's like the world calling uh, Sam Raimi's bluff. Yeah. Uh, um because Dino De Laurentiis did work on Army of Darkness but like he was not interested in making that movie until he he basically like he, you know Sam Raimi could bully him into doing it. No one was interested. Uh, Army uh, yeah, Universal didn't want to release it. No, yeah, no one let's talk about movie. let's let's talk about the origin of this. So Charlie, do you know uh do you know uh that Stephen King played a pretty big role in uh getting this movie made? I do, Peter. I read that too that he like really liked the first one and then he kind of, the story is that he like kind of bullied Dino into paying for it and producing it or something like that because he really wanted it yeah. made. So Dino De Laurentiis, this was King at the peak of his powers and he was having dinners with Dino. Uh, I would imagine both of them were probably drinking a lot and doing a lot of blow. Yeah. Um, and Dino's uh, like, alleg- I get allegedly. it. You don't like The Shining. <laughs> <laughs> Shut <laughs> the fuck up. It didn't have enough living cars King in it. at 5 a.m. Like, <laughs> and then oh, yeah, was, he was like, it's Stephen King at 5 a.m. Like talking about, he's like, and and the topiaries didn't even come alive. <laughs> he's like, Dino, Dino, that was me. I was Jack Torrance, right? <laughs> like, and don't you think I should have a redemptive arc? And like, sacri- I love my kids, Dino. Dino's like, shut the fuck up. And Dino De Laurentiis has been too. checking out. Yeah, Dino De Laurentiis has been like checking out a server's butt for like 10 minutes. He's oh, like, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, Stephen, definitely, definitely. Yeah, no, great movie. No, I said it was a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, back, but Keenan Lantis was like basically working with Stephen King, being like, I want to make whatever. I want to be in the Stephen King business. I want to make whatever whatever books of yours are available now that, you know, Carrie and The Shining have been made. And like, I want to get into this. And so Stephen King was like trying to figure out like what good properties for him. I think they were working on Thinner maybe when um, – when all of a sudden uh, the idea – Stephen King was like, I saw this amazing movie a few years ago. you got to make Evil Dead 2. And like uh, it, there's a there's a piece in the middle though. Yeah, let's – They went I to want, go work on the Evil Dead 2 script and then they got another – the Raimi Co., the Ta- Rob Tapper, Bruce Campbell, Sam Raimi. Uh, they went and worked on another movie while trying to get Evil Dead 2 made um, called Crime Wave. And Aaron, do you want to talk about Crime Wave? Yeah. So it's actually – so Rob Tapper and Bruce Campbell wanted to make Evil Dead 2. Sam Raimi didn't. Sam Raimi didn't like horror movies. All, most of the movies that they made, and we talked a little bit about this on The Evil Dead, were broad comedies, like genre comedies, like it's murder and stuff like that. But he also realized that like those types of movies couldn't get financing. So they did the Within the Woods, which we watched uh, for our episode, and then Evil Dead, where it still was able to inject that like maniacal energy that Raimi wanted to bring to his comedies, but in a uh, genre that had the ability to actually make money and get them get them paid. So, Evil Dead, it's a success. What does he do? As uh, And I watched a lot of all the special features on this, too, on Crime Wave, which is the movie that they made after. Raimi's like, okay, we're gonna do it. We're gonna do the, um, the Sam Raimi movie, like what we were doing up in Dearborn, Michigan, all those years or Grand Rapids or wherever it was. I know they lived in a couple different places, went to college in different places. Uh, but uh, yeah, so he's like, that's what we're going to do. We're going to do this like over the top, silly uh, comedy, essentially in like this hard boiled thing. So it has like no gore. It it was just this. It's it's if you've never seen Crime Wave, it's the idea of these two like basically bumbling killers who uh, end up killing the wrong person, and then there's a guy who's trying to stop them, but he ends up on death row because he kills them, and he's kind of recounting the story. And there's a love interest. Uh, Bruce Campbell was placed was supposed to play the lead. The studio said uh, no. We're going to cast an actual name actor. Uh, the actual name actor was a, is literally a no one. But I guess at the time he outweighed Bruce Campbell. I'm gonna. I'm actually totally forgetting the name of the guy who started Crime Wave. But it really is someone you've never heard of. I'm gonna pull it up quick. So the studio wanted a name, and the name they wanted over Bruce Campbell was Reed Bernie. If you know who that is, congratulations. You're Reed Bernie's mother. Um, thanks for listening <laughs> to our podcast. Um, but yeah, they were. So Bruce Campbell had. They basically wrote this. Um, this other part of like a heel. Who's like competing for the girl with um, with Reed Bernie's main character? And once they found out they couldn't cast Bruce Campbell the lead because he was also still a producer and a writer and working in this thing, uh, they expanded that part. But that part doesn't make much sense to begin with. Uh, the movie I I watched it for the first time it was the only Raimi I had never seen. Is a complete mess. Like I would not recommend it to anyone unless you just really want to say I've seen all the Sam Raimi movies. Um, it has one funny joke. 
Um, and the like, it is a tonal nightmare. I sent Peter a clip while I was watching it, and I'm like, I don't know what this is. And it really was because Raimi had this idea of like, I'm gonna do a type of movie that no one's ever done before. And that's, that's like almost feels like a sophomore feature trap. Like, you have a lot of talent, kid. You're not ready to rewrite filmmaking <laughs> as it stands today. And so part of that, too, is then the studio saw this movie and they're like, I don't know what the fuck this is. And they um, basically hired an outside editor and cut it to shit. So if you watch the special features, Bruce Campbell is like, hey, it's not a good movie. We made a huge error in a lot of different ways. He said that he would have loved, though, to have everyone to see Sam Raimi's cut because he feels like people would like it more. Like these amazing Sam Raimi camera work and directorial shots and like overcomplicated to these simple things that at least you would watch it and feel like a sense of tone. In a sense of like, oh, sure, this is a bad movie, but holy shit, does this have that Sam Raimi style we saw first in Evil Dead? That was all cut to shit. He describes a shot of like they had cranes and it goes from like up on a roof through other roofs and then through a window down through stairways and into like um, this guy who's holding a note. Right. Like this elaborate, elaborate thing that took them two weeks to shoot. And instead, it's a cut to exterior cut to this guy holding the note. So he also is very clear that like, yeah, Crime Wave sucks, but you never got to see the good version of it. And he also said that, like, we learned we we actually had as like uh, filmmakers and as people who wanted to make movies, the best one two lesson that we could have. We learned what success was like in making Evil Dead and we learned what failure was like making crime wave so that he said to this day him rob tappert sam raimi all those people when they feel like something's not going right like all those lessons they learned when they were like "Ah, this doesn't feel right but we're gonna power through for crime wave they were like oh shit this feels like a crime wave situation we need to pivot or accept that whatever we're working on is not going to be good and so uh you know bruce campbell is very clear that like it is a silly movie it has a couple of interesting things it's not good but it taught us a lot of lessons as filmmakers so as a result, Sam Raimi now is like the studio barely like they did all this like cut and editing. And as Bruce Campbell said, what really is annoying about that, they wouldn't make they wouldn't let us cast the people that we wanted. They cut the whole movie to shit and then they released it in two theaters due to a contractual obligation they had with HBO and then gave it to HBO. And he's like, if you're going to not even try to make any money off it. Why not just release the version that we wanted to make in the first place? <laughs> what does it fucking matter at that point if you don't care? It's a pride game. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, it's definitely not worth your time. But that is what basically Sam Raimi – and we talked a little bit about this, I think, in Army of D- – I think we've talked about this throughout. But once again, Sam Raimi, this A-list director who made some of the biggest movies of all time, spends so much of his early career going – oh, you either need to do this thing or you're out of Hollywood because, you know, you the, the movies that you wanted to make, which was Crime Wave, which was the Sam Raimi vision, which was bringing your personal aesthetic and how you thought movies could be to the big screen, was a complete disaster. So now you have to go make... Uh, now, Bruce Campbell was excited to do it. Rob Tapper was very excited to do it. Sam Raimi at the time was not. From everything that I was able to read, he was like, it was kind of a fuck. I guess the only way to continue being a director is Evil Dead 2. 
But he was so committed to, I'm not just going to do this for the money this time. I'm going to make a Sam Raimi movie. And I'm going to do it within the trappings of Evil Dead 2. And um, I think you see a lot of that in screen. Someone who's A, both thinking that this could be, if this fails, this is my last chance to do anything on this scale. And two, I'm going to try to tell the world what a Sam Raimi movie looks like because I wasn't able to do it in Crime Life. Yeah, excellently put, Aaron. And then did we we didn't really get to the fact that, like, this was going to be Army of Darkness. Um, yeah. This was going to be Medieval Dead, so to speak, um, where they, they, they wanted to do, like, uh, you know, medieval sort of, um, you know, uh, swords against skeletons kind of, uh, you know. Uh, it was supposed to be kind of half and half, right? 45 minutes and 45 minutes or so. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, like, they, they wanted to do that. And then uh, Dino De Laurentiis was like, no, I need this to be, I need this to be sale- sellable to an international market. Um, particularly, like, the Italian market. He's like, I need, I, I, I need to be able to, to market this thing easily. So Dino De Laurentiis was like, basically ham-fisted them into, he basically uh, handcuffed them into remake the old movie. Um, and then... Uh, they, they, they basically their freedom at that point was, all right, well, we still get our cast. We get to choose who we want for this and, um, we get to direct it and shoot it however the fuck we want. And, uh, Dino was largely unable to stop them or busy working on bigger projects in order to stop them doing that. Um, he did, he did put a dent in the movie during editing, but like, a lot of the stuff that's missing doesn't sound like it's it's that crucial or it would have, you know, drastically affected the quality of the movie. It would be cool to see this stuff, mm-hmm. um, obviously. But um, what we got is a Sam Raimi movie through and through. It says everything. that he, If this was his last movie, it would say everything that any dire- a, a, a great uh, visionary director would need to say in one fucking movie. And it does it in under 90 minutes. <laughs> Every minute is a Sam Raimi minute. There's nothing in here that feels like, like Dino De Laurentiis was like, no, we're going to need about five minutes of you explaining this book. Like, <laughs> that shit is not there. Well, and also he did it so, per- like, it is it's more than a calling card it feels like he like sketched his body and soul into this movie so that like everything now becomes a evil dead 2 thing he's doing right like we like spider-man 2 when all the, like the reason that people really like spider-man 2 besides it's like you know better written and doesn't have to do the origin stuff of the first one is that it feels like sam raimi is able to move that camera and do evil dead 2 shit right like when you watch some of his other movies like Quick and the Dead and the, the, there's moments where it's like, oh, he's doing Evil Dead 2 shit. Like Army of Darkness is obviously an extension of that too. But this kind of became like, I think, the purest distillation of Sam Raimi because he's doing Evil Dead 2 shit for the entirety of Evil Dead 2. Like, it's just – it's never ending in like what he's doing. So now when people see like the, the scene where uh, Dr. Octopus – you know, becomes Dr. Octopus in, in Spider-Man 2. And all of a sudden the camera starts like zooming in on the claws and going crazy. And like, you're just seeing this like manic origin story. That's like both uh, intense and cleverly uh, done, uh, edited to tell a story. You're like, Oh cool. It's like evil dead too. <laughs> like you almost did it too well. 
Yeah. If you haven't watched Spider-Man 2 in uh, whatever, almost 20 years, definitely just go on YouTube and look up whatever operating room scene yeah. with Doc Ock. Like, I'm not even a, I'm not a Spider-Man fan. Well, not really like a superhero movie fan much. Um, I'm not much of a fan of, of uh, Spider-Man specifically. Like, um, but that movie rules so hard because of Sam Raimi. He's the sort of guy where I was like, I'll follow him around to whatever subject matter he finds interesting. And, you know, I'm not saying every one of his movies is successful. But like no. Spider-Man 2 is a movie that you watch that movie, you watch Evil Dead 2 and you're like, that's a voice. That is that is a distinct voice. I'm not going to use the word auteur, but like that is a distinct like creator's voice. Yeah. And I think you would make the case one way or the other that like he his ultimate goal with with Crime Wave and then Evil Dead 2 was I'm going to show the world what a Sam Raimi movie looks like. And and not only did he like meet his goal it's the equivalent of like i need to beat this football team and instead of going like 21 to 14 you end up scoring a 100 points and they score zero <laughs> like he showed the world for all time what a sam raimi movie looks like and made people obsessed about watching his fucking like kevin costner retired baseball movie just in case like the camera moves for a second <laughs> following the baseball like it does in evil dead 2 and that that is a fucking hell of an accomplishment yeah hell yeah so you guys want to talk about the actual movie movie evil dead 2 mm-hmm. yeah let's do it want to give us some alternate taglines for Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn. Dead uh, by Dawn. Uh, the most most experience in grueling terror. <laughs> the the mostest experienced experience in terror. The movie that's an amazing horror movie from the 80s that won't make Stephen King cry if you say you like it. <laughs> that movie Jack Black recommends in high fidelity. Yeah, how many how many fans do you think came from that? Some, right? I was like high fiving people. I'm like, they named a movie I like. <laughs> <laughs> That's my Connor O'Malley. Ah, oh, it's the movie I like. How quaint and wonderful it was when uh, a movie a, a movie's tastes were somewhat like cool and relevant, as opposed to like uh, I don't know somebody like. Like I like you've got mail, but Tom Hanks talking about the Godfather and you've got mail. You're like, yeah, yeah. everybody likes the fucking Godfather. Come yeah. on. Yeah, no, that was. I mean, and high fidelity to my to my eternal shame, which is the growth that you need to do with high fidelity. You see it when you're 17, like I did, and you're like, I'm like Rob, and then you see it when you're 36 or whatever. You're like, oh fuck, I was like Rob. <laughs> like, that's an important evolution you need to do. But at the time, it was like, yeah, these cool people I love that are the best. Yeah. Love yeah. the movie. Fun, like. It'd be a fun month to do that with like Fight Club as like oh, movie. Uh, haven't you like, seen our – no, no, no. We have that. Peter, like that that's a month I pitched to you like a year ago. It's in the Excel sheet where it's like uh, – I think I, I named it like 
we shouldn't do this month, which is specifically like Donnie Darko, High Fidelity, Fight Club, like those movies that you used to love or I also used to love. And I still like – if you were to look at a list, I would go, yeah, I love that movie. But I don't want to talk about it mm-hmm. and I want to talk about it from the lens of not wanting to talk about it. Yeah. Like especially High Fidelity is one of those movies that's like a great movie. I watched it yeah, some, great some recently and I was like – I was like, this is actually a very delicate, uh, nuanced movie about like to- toxic masculinity. Like, yeah, they didn't use the term because I don't know. If but like nerdy like toxic masculinity, man, but... like it's that kind of like, um, <sighs> yes, it's which is actually even more relevant nowadays, right? Like that idea of like the the Marvel nerd who saw himself as the victim becomes the bully, and what you see like in that movie is someone who thinks of himself as the nice person guy. who's been who's been hurt. And is the toxic, like, bully in his life. Yeah. Uh, Charlie, have you seen High Fidelity, but, like, in the past five or whatever years since you've become an adult? No, no. That was, like, a touchstone again when I was in college. And I remember him talking about, like, Bell and Sebastian being, like, sad bastard music. And, like, me laughing, but, like, loving Bell and Sebastian. And, like, all, all the other touchstones in that movie. But it's been a long time. Uh, technically, it was, it was the beta band that was the sad bastard music. No way. Quite, really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. He does, he does name drop Bell and Sebastian, though. He does, uh, but it's, yeah, because he's he's uh, Todd Louisa. I, I never knew how to pronounce his last name. I only read it. I apologize. Um, he is listening to the beta band. No, 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 no. Are you sure? What? Are you, no, I think, I think you're right. I think it is Bell and Sebastian. Yeah, because I don't think... And then Jack Back plays Katrina and the Waves. Later on, I think John Cusack says, I'm going to sell uh, five EPs by the beta band or whatever. Yes, that yes, I think that is, that is correct. Yeah, I, I got a lot of music from that movie. Yeah. Because they like what I like. Yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, All right, anyways, Evil Dead 2. Um, so, Evil no, Dead give 2. Give me a tight tan on high fidelity. <laughs> Evil Dead 2. Uh, Evil Dead 2 uh, sort of is a soft remake of the original movie, um, mm. but it's set up a little bit differently. So, um, it kicks off. At, it's the, uh, the Necronomicon Ex Mortis is being explained, the Book of the Dead, Evil Book. Don't read from it. It'll awaken an ancient evil. Such a uh, good opening. Something you could probably infer, but whatever. Um, they, they, <laughs> they explain that in a really cool uh, sort of like uh, animated sequence. And then it immediately smashes into a series of events where um, is it do, do they immediately show Linda and Ash showing up to the cabin or no Linda in. Uh, and no, Ash they dr- they still drive. They got to show the Delta. Yeah. Yeah. So. So Linda and Ash show up to the cabin, no friends in tow. Well, they have that great scene yeah. where they drive across the bridge and it's like very clearly a shitty model, but it looks like great. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's um the the purposeful sort of like uh, fakiness of, of this movie is great. Uh, we'll, we'll get to like the whole aesthetic stuff in a little bit. The um, so they, they cross the bridge, they get to the cabin, they're uh, all set and ready for, you know, some necking. Uh, and then um, they Ash uh, being a dummy, uh, which we have established this month and we will continue to establish. He's a dummy. Uh, he plays. See, I don't the, think he's a dummy in this one. No. Really? I don't know. Uh, we'll get there. If, if you consider this a sequel, Ash is the dumbest fucking person on the planet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which, I, which I do, yeah. It, yeah, which means he went back to the cabin with another girl. Oh, no, no, no. So I think the first seven... So the way I see it, like, 
Sorry to derail, but this is in my notes. Um, I really want to make a Evil Dead supercut, or like if I ever sh- when I show this to my kids someday when they're a little older, um, that like you you show Evil Dead, which is like if now that I'm in, like knee deep into Ash versus Evil Dead, like him going to the cabin with his sister is like the canon. At the end of Evil Dead, he, the camera zooms in; he gets possessed. If you go to like seven minutes, whatever in this movie, he gets possessed. He falls into the um, after these people have, have died, and then you can almost smash cut Army of Darkness to him landing on that uh, mat at the end of this movie, and then just do Army of Darkness. Like I think there is a super cut in here where like yes, they had to remake stuff or write stuff or explaining stuff that like it all makes sense. Like he goes to the cabin with his girlfriend, his friends, and his sister, and then. This movie, like, starts the sequel part after he gets possessed and comes out of the puddle. Yeah, but he goes back to the same cabin and it's play on a tape recorder when it's just him and Linda. Oh, no, no, no. I So what I'm – so they had to – they couldn't get the rights to Evil Dead. I'm sure you know that. Yes, yeah. So there, those, that's why – That part is like the remake. Sloppily chopping Evil Dead yeah. into Evil Dead 2. Yeah, I don't think he goes back. I think if you were, like, to just to visualize that – the end of Evil Dead, he gets possessed, right? He kills his girlfriend. Yeah. He kills all the people. And then at the end of Evil Dead, at the beginning of Evil Dead 2, it's him, the sun rising and him becoming unpossessed. After Ah, I gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Well, he does, but he shows up to the cabin with just Linda in the car at one point. Anyway. No, no, but that's, but that's, that's like, that is the remake. Those first seven minutes is the remake with less characters just to get to the point of the sequel. Yeah, which they also do in Army of Darkness. Anyways, so, um... The uh, Ash pulls up to the cabin and whatever. He hits play on the Book of the Dead. Um, and then uh, Linda gets possessed uh, instead of him. Uh, and he has to fight and kill her. Uh, buries her in the yard. She comes back. And then he beheads her. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then uh, she comes back as a doll again. And then he needs to fight her corpse. Uh who is coming at him with a chainsaw <laughs> yep. and all this is in the first like eight minutes, right? Like this is just a cavalcade of like bad events, but essentially Ash is fighting with um, his, his uh, possessed girlfriend until he can finally like actually put her, put her, put her to sleep. Um, and uh, he uh, is, is locked in the woods. He's, he's in the cabin. The dark presence has, has kept him in the cabin um, and he essentially needs to uh, stay alive. So then it kicks off uh, the best part of the movie, which is Ash alone, yeah. Bruce Campbell acting against threats uh, exterior to the cabin, uh, the cabin shooting uh, walls at him, his hand getting possessed after he, he touches the mirror and then his hand gets possessed, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, then he needs to chop off his hand. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. His hand gets possessed, I mean, from uh, Linda biting his hand. Oh, Linda bites his hand. His mm, hand yeah. gets possessed. He chops off his hand. Then he needs to fight his hand. Um, <laughs> I love that and scene. It's like, it, this is a hard movie to recap. Um, and then he, uh, he, well, then, he gets... Then he looks at a deer, and the deer laughs at him, and then the lamp laughs at him, and then he's <laughs> laughing, too, because that's funny. And then uh, while this is happening in parallel, uh, a researcher's daughter, who's also a researcher, um, her and her little uh, her research boyfriend uh, and two rednecks who are their guides up to the cabin are trying to go up to the cabin because the cabin actually belongs to her dad. Um, 
Her dad, yeah. Um, her dad and her mom own this cabin, and he's been doing research on the Book of the Dead up there, and that's how the book gets unleashed. He was reading into a tape recorder. At some point, his wife um, became possessed, um, and during his research, he had to kill her. Then he died. Um, so that's kind of the backstory there from the first movie as well as this one. Ash, uh, Ash is uh, going crazy when uh, this other crew shows up, and they lock. They think that. He has killed, uh, you know, the researchers. Uh, Which makes a ton of sense. It makes a ton of sense. He has a bloody chainsaw. He's raving. He's mad. Well, and, and when they come to the door, he's firing shots at them and covered in blood from the house. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's and a fair from, assumption. And there's a, yeah, it is a, you know. <laughs> it's reasonable. No, but he's like newly drenched. Because remember, he the first bullets he fires punctures a hole in the wall that spurts out with an insane amount of blood and then and then the second one shoots at them yes and he basically uh he gets thrown into the basement where henrietta uh the the mother uh that has been has uh been residing um and so there's sort of a uh a moment where he convinces them to let him out of the basement because uh (laughs) the zombie mom henrietta is coming after him she wants to swallow his soul and uh he gets released from the basement the group is sort of united by this but it is immediately that that truce is immediately thrown into chaos um as they, the group, the group is basically united for like eight seconds before they start getting chipped away by people. Well, then, yeah, his, uh, the the hillbilly's girlfriend runs to what's her name, Billy Billy Sue, runs like is like this is crazy. I'm out of here, and then then they all separate, right? Yes, uh, Bobby Sue runs into the Bobby woods. Sue. She is. <laughs> Let's let's uh, note the uh, the uh, uh, the wokeness here. She is not tree raped. She's tree murdered. I appreciated uh, that. Yeah, of course yeah, she's tree dragged there. off screen with her legs closed. Right. <laughs> she just gets dragged. And I'm not saying like, oh, good. I'm glad she's being chased with her legs closed. But in the first one, they make a point of the tree opening the legs. Yeah. So yeah. That is why yeah. I am. Saying it that way. And also in the remake, as we discussed in that episode, uh, the remake also makes it clear that it's a sexual assault. So uh, I'm glad in this one they, they just made it a straight up murder. Very respectable. Um, uh, and so- in Ash vs. the Evil Dead, which we'll get to, and I don't know if we'll say this part, but you can tell Rob Tappert's still involved. Because they're like, not only let's make sure they understood that it was a tree rape, uh, let's make a, let's have Ash make a bunch of jokes to his sister who was tree raped. Oh, God. <laughs> you got branch banged, honey. Like, no. Ugh. Rob. Back away from the script. Jesus. But at that point, they've established that Ash is a total scumbag. So it's like, yeah, I'm excited. Like, I know I'm knee, we're knee deep in that recording that because we record that uh, soon. And um, that is just a mixed bag of a show. And I, I don't know how I feel about um, what they've done to Ash's character. But yeah. But we'll get to it. So, so um, yes. So, anyways, um, Ash is uh, Ash and this crew is sort of getting picked off one by one by the woods until it's just Ash and the main research uh, lady, um, the main researcher, uh, and she uh, and him are trying to use the Book of the Dead to send the evil back to where it came from. Uh, as they're reading the 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 manuscript, uh, she. Reads the passage to open up the portal, but she needs another one to close it. And well, they so, also notice his picture in there. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of setting up the sequel as well as the, that he's going to become this this this. Um, yeah, because they're like, mess- oh, I, that figure. looks like you. The other thing I really like is that as they're reading the book at the very beginning, he says, because um, I don't think we'll come back to it. Sorry. Um, where she says, yeah, I don't know why this evil's here. According to this book, a chosen one was supposed to stop it. And Ash gets all annoyed and says some job he did, which is so goddamn good. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. When you realize 60 minutes later, it's going to be him. And then five years later, uh, you're going to find out why he fucked it up so bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the, 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 the Sam Raimi kind of doing that shot call is just amazing. That's, you um, know, that's fourth dimensional chess right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hmm. So Sam Raimi, uh, sorry, so so uh, Bruce Campbell, uh, they're squaring off against a massive uh, incarnation of evil that's breaking down the sides of the cabin. Uh, a vortex is sucking objects out of the cabin. The evil apparently gets banished for a second, but then, uh, 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 you know, um, Comes uh, back because, because the incantation is interrupted, the vortex cannot be closed, and uh, Ash and the evil both get sucked into the vortex. And then we're cut, we cut to the Middle Ages, <laughs> and a bunch of people are, are uh, at, at war uh, and uh, a big flying gargoyle demon is flying overhead Matt, Ash uses his boomstick to blow it out of the sky and they start to worship him thus setting up Army of Darkness yeah mm-hmm. final thoughts it's a hard movie to recap it's really it's hard like, and, then, and then and then it's like a Tex Avery cartoon where you're just like yeah. well yeah and then you, you have to understand how Bugs Bunny got into the dress so okay uh, first thing he went bowling he went so Daffy Duck okay? yeah. he's so mad he's so mad that this person keeps drawing stuff so first it's a plant <laughs> then he's a matador uh, yeah, it is. Um, but I, I, I mean, that's kind of what we talked about, right? Like it's 84 minutes and it's just packed to the gills of intensity and moments that's going to be almost impossible to go through um, in like in detail because we would just end up going and then this scene's hap- this scene happens and this scene rules because of this because there's like not a wasted scene in this movie. Almost every moment has something worth talking about and – is like unique but i will let's let's start um post faux remake the first seven minutes when we get into the actual sequel territory and i'm passively aggressively reminding you how what i think about how this works as a sequel remake as i say that but let yeah let's talk about so he's killed all his friends or in this one as they recap it just his girlfriend and now he's alone ashy slashy ashy slashy (laughs) um he, uh, well, I mean, he did kill them. They were possessed by evil, but you can't deny he killed all of them, right? I mean, if you, yeah, I mean, they're they're not technically alive. They're undead. Though, okay, let's clarify something. Ash comes back from being a, um, from being possessed just when like the sun pops up. Yeah, twice. So, so all he had to do <laughs> was hand, handcuff the deadites, and he would have been fine. Well, then the sun goes down again really quickly. It's We talked about this before. The reason that I really love the Evil Dead series as a whole is that it takes something that has been lost in horror movies when it comes to like the concept of demons. Where demons in most horror movies want to kill you. 
they want to destroy you. They want to possess you. They have like some personal gain or something like that. What Evil Dead does that's so great, that is so exemplified by this movie, is the concept of like old school, like Old Testament idea of evil. Like they kind of want to fuck with you too. They, there. It's not just malice. It is like they're like troublesome imps who want to ruin your day, rub your face in mud, and then you know cut off your head. But like they don't have any goal besides just making other people miserable. That almost concept of like. Well, when you go to hell, what's a demon's motivation? What's the devil's motivation? Well, just to torture you. And, like, the demons in the Evil Dead series are there to torture you. Like, not in that kind of, like, Dante's Inferno way. But in that, you know, I'm going to kick you in the nuts and kill your girlfriend. And then I'm going to chant shit at you to make fun of you for feeling sad about it. Yeah, yeah, and I think the uh, the term nightmare logic is is easy to throw at this movie because um, I, I've also I've said the Evil Dead is the series that um, is is so goddamn Italian and yet not Italian at all. Um, it's it's um, <laughs> mainly because the pizza delivery guy couldn't get all the way out there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the most italian series ever made by a bunch of guys from michigan right like it's it's it it follows nightmare logic it it follows um this sort of like crazy live wire energy wherever it goes It, it it very much is like what i love about italian movies but it's made actually in america with american sensibilities um but more like three stooges american sensibilities not like we need to sit down and dig into what what the actual lore of this demon is like nothing would have ruined this movie no. more than if they were like here are the rules of the deadites mm-hmm. um, yeah they, and they, I think, they would break them all in army of darkness anyways <laughs> but you know you know what i think it, it it actually i've always thought of it as um you guys remember who framed roger rabbit right oh yeah i i, I, have, I have seen this film like <laughs> with the picture <laughs> it showed I, that, uh, that rabbits are inherently mischievous creatures. <laughs> <laughs> Rabbits represent the utter chaos of nature. And that most movie stars want to fuck them. <laughs> uh, but uh, there's that part, obviously, with like Bob Hoskins, where they're handcuffed together and they have to hide him. And at the end, he just easily slips in and out of the handcuffs. And Bob Hoskins yells at him and says... Are you telling me you could have got out of the handcuffs at any time? And he says, no, only when it was funny. And I feel like that's the rule of the Deadites, except a little, like, different, which is what can the Deadites do? What are their rules that govern up? Well, anything as long as it's mean. Like, can they possess people? Can trees come to life? Whatever else? Sure. As long as it inflicts cruelty in that moment. Otherwise, they can't do it. They are the evil dead. Like, they, they only, yeah. the only source of, um, of power is if it will cause chaos uh, in that moment, right? Like, um, and, like, sometimes you feel like even when they get murdered, they're like, oh, that's kind of cool, though. Like, you're a little bit crazier because you had to do that to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I... I And that's why I think you have all these moments that, like, really – I think that's why it works so well for the comedy aspect. Like, 
is it is it like demonic that after his that his girlfriend does that stupid dance with her head off and then at the end like jumps away going wee <laughs> that sound <laughs> like, bit is stuck in my head forever it's so good way. yeah but it is just like oh this this is going to be really fucked up for you to have to experience mm-hmm. and then that's it like that's why they did it in that moment they they are there to in the same way that Roger Rabbit is there to do these things that are um defy the laws of that you would normally define to like physics or logic or anything else that's uh when it's funny that's what the evil dead's there for when it's cruel when it's <laughs> yeah. mean, when it inflicts pain that's when they can do stuff that's what they that is that is how they work yeah and i will say <clears throat> there's a, the the one thing that tracks about um the three core evil dead movies is that the movies are best when it's just Sam Raimi abusing Bruce Campbell on camera. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it feels that way. The, the, the movies are always the best when it's just, just Bruce Campbell and maybe Ted Raimi gets to be in the shot playing a demon. That when it's just those two, just Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell, like truly that is when these movies get majestic and you see like, the director's voice is really loud. There's no dialogue to clutter up what he what he's saying. So like that's I, the first half of this movie is in many ways stronger than the second half. And I say that thinking this movie is a masterpiece. Um, and that's because it's a lot of Bruce Campbell going fucking insane and this sort of slow descent into madness um, that the movie is is uh, the movie itself the film the technical filmmaking itself is getting crazier and crazier as ash is and like the fact that all this these dutch angles and crazy tracking shots and like that shot of evil following ash through the house as he's just barging down doors running through the walls of the house back into the backyard and he manages to trick the first person perspective of evil <laughs> oh, my, I know I love god that. I love that oh my god I love that that scene is so good it's where so it just kind of gives up and goes away for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I also love it because it's it is it is comedy horror in a moment because you're like it's both kind of creepy that we're like still stuck in the personification of this this demon cloud, but also it's funny as fuck because it's like this dummy that's just running through the house has managed to trick <laughs> trick the ultimate evil. Like that's hilarious. So like Ash going down this 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 spiral of craziness is always when the movies are at their best. Uh, yeah. The evil. I think the Evil Dead is kind of a clumsy, awkward movie. Whenever it has like social dynamics, yeah. Um, and it really shows the fact that it's like a zero budget movie. Whenever people are in, in dialogue, um, and uh, unless the dialogue is shoot it, shoot it, like that's that's fine. Um, uh, the but as soon as everybody else dies in the Evil Dead, and then it's just Ash versus the house, that's what makes it a classic, right? In this movie. Letting Ash get to the the I'm all alone part quicker, that's what makes this a classic. And then in Army of Darkness, the part after Ash has his little bit of hedonism at the castle and he has to go off on his adventure. And then he just gets tortured in the graveyard and Ash is like getting fucked around with with his double and that and that um uh, uh what is it called not a windmill yeah windmill um, yeah it's a windmill all, all that stuff is like when sam raimi's voice is coming through clearest because at that point it's just sam torturing bruce campbell mm-hmm. there's no one else to get in the way there's no dialogue to get in the way there's no characterization to get in the way it's just it's just uh ash is this kind of like 
<laughs> dumb, narcissistic, cowardly hero who nonetheless succeeds at the end of the day by, you know, the scraping, scraping by a victory, um, despite his many, many failings. And like, that is, that is how they, they all see the character. That's how I see the character. Um, and so like, that's why I love this movie. Like in a nutshell is getting to see, getting to see Bruce Campbell laughing along with a cackling, like uh, moose taxidermy head. Um, and, and the movie having gotten crazier and crazier each minute up until that point. It's like, that is why the movie will be like a movie I watch at least once a year for the rest of my life. It's one of those movies where you like, you can tell they're having fun while they're making it, you know, and that fun oh, yeah. makes it more infectious for you. Like that was one of my notes is like, it seems like they're having a good time while they're doing this. They, they said that they said in the making of that this feels like that this was almost like them coming home. Mm -hmm. um, they said like they were like they knew exactly what was going on. They said the only people the only time they felt bad was when there was people that weren't in the original crew. And they were like and they would use like dumb Michigan shorthand for like their filmmaker shorthand for like what they were doing. And everyone was like, yeah, you know, this isn't how film sets work. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, like that's that he, Bruce Campbell basically said it that way. That was their problem on Crime Wave, too, where they're like, you guys only work 12 hours. <laughs> <laughs> like, they, 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 they were like, they didn't understand how unions worked. They didn't understand any of that stuff. And it was like, no, like, we get to go home when Sam Raimi is done torturing me. I don't understand what any of you guys are talking about. Like, <laughs> like this, this is what Bruce Campbell says. He's like, we really just didn't understand, like, that there was rules <laughs> that governed it. And so, like... We didn't know how to schedule things right. It's one of the reasons it was such a disaster because it was like, no, you just sit there until Sam Raimi says you get the shot and then you get to move on. Not like there's other people involved. But um, to build off uh, Charlie's point a little bit too is that like it feels like the electricity of like invention. When people talk mm -hmm. about like, you know, the best like uh, Beatles albums or something like that, you just – you get the sense of like – people that were going into a studio for two weeks and were just oozing with like, oh, yeah, no, I have – yeah, I just wrote one of the best songs ever. Oh, you're going to add a little bit to it. Great. We're going to do all that. Like, And and something about that in the way they sing um, in the moment feels like they know they've written like an amazing thing. And that adds to the song because there's a ineffable like – recognition of genius or something that like comes through in those moments. And I feel like that's true of this movie too, where it just feels like not only are the scenes great, it feels like they went, Oh my God, this is so good. Like what we're about to do. And then we're excited to make that happen. And, and that's why the movie has so much energy is the energy of people like, seemingly overflowing with brilliant ideas and then getting to execute them well. Well, I was going to say, I, it's a little bit about that too, is like, is like the thing I was most like, ever not having watched it for like, I don't know, like uh, 20, not 20 years, maybe like 15 years was how much like attention to detail they put into this movie and how some of that stuff made the movie just even funnier and scarier. Like they blow out that like, Henrietta like loses an eyeball like early on and you notice like and it's really funny when the eyeball pops out and later on you notice that eyeball is like still gone 
you know, and like there's another scene where like in the background, like something terrifying is happening. You see this flower like wilt and like they just kind of like it's not it's 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 not a sloppy movie either, though. You know, like they were having fun, but they were yeah. still actually like putting an insane amount of thought and care into like every scene in the movie, you know, like uh, it was oh, absolutely, you know, it was just I don't know. It was just brilliantly done on every level. Yeah. I like to say there's movies that are like calling cards for directors and like that or that this movie was like their their like resume to be a filmmaker. But like, you know, I don't necessarily need to like watch it all the time. Um, Like uh, Christopher Nolan did Following, John Carpenter did uh, Dark Star. Like there's these movies that these directors did where I was like, yeah, it's really cool. You could see like, you know, the filmmaker that John Carpenter was going to become in this movie. Um, But, you know, it's not really a movie you need to revisit all the time. Um, I I feel like Sam Raimi somehow didn't have that movie. Like (laughs) he, he made at most that movie is like, <clears throat> the first 30 minutes of Evil Dead. Um, and then he's just like, all right, we're going to turn the gas on. That level of technical precision and skill that he demonstrates here early on is like fucking stunning. And it just shows you that he's like a workhorse, right? Like this whole crew, they're just like workhorses. They just go and go and go until they get all the shots they possibly need. And Sam Raimi is a dude who understood co- coverage, right? So he's like, uh, yeah, um, I'm going to shoot the scene two or three times and to make sure that we got it right because I don't want to look like an asshole. <laughs> so um, we're going to do this right. And he, because he had such a the, the close trust of all of his friends and like his producer and his writer and because he like went back with these folks, I feel like he could stretch them a little bit further and torture them a little bit further um, in a way that like, you know, when you get to the later period of his career and yes, like as Aaron said, like, you know, you're dealing with like professionals who use like who who like operate in a normal work day and need to go home to their families at the end of the day. Um, by then Sam Raimi had a chance to like, like f- figure out in a more efficient manner, how to make a movie um, as opposed to like the evil dead where they would like have to stop every six weeks to like, go get more fucking money. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like the, the, the greatest thing in this movie is for me is the sequence where he's hunting his hand Mm-hmm. And that is apparent, <clears throat> apparently um, one of the guys, Scott Spiegel, the co-writer, um, went back to with Raimi to the old days, uh, made a, shelf, uh, a short called Helping Hand. Um, and it's a comedic sort of six minute uh, short about uh, the hamburger helper mascot attacking a woman in her house. <laughs> um, and it was <clears throat> it's, it's just a disembodied hand. Right. So. Uh, Sam Raimi apparently went to Scott Spiegel and he's like, I want to basically take Evil Dead and the help and Helping Hand and make a movie with it. And like, that's what inspired Sam Raimi. Like the comedy, the comedy aspects are what inspired Sam Raimi. So him getting to make like this goofy ass, like three stooges plus Night of the Living Dead style movie is what like got his blood pumping. And uh, that sequence is like one of the greatest like comedic horror sequences of all time. And it would cement Raimi's place. If all he did was have that one great sequence, it would cement Raimi's place in horror history. Because like you I've seen the movie dozens of times at this point. Like and I 
still, every time I watch that scene, I forget an odd detail that he threw in to yeah. make the scene the scene really sing. Like he's not he's not like a ticking clock filmmaker. He is a cartoonist. He's like. Oh, yeah. Like, obviously, I'll throw in these three quick insert shots, which will get the point across like a cartoonist would. But I'm also going to throw in these these also these like quick little uh, goofy spin moves because that'll make this all feel more manic and freeing and fun. Like he's not uh, an Alfred Hitchcock where it's like, no, no shot is is here. You know, every every piece here needs to be here. And, you know, if you took one shot away, the scene wouldn't make sense. It's like, no, he's like, he's throwing in, he's, he's improvising. He's throwing in some goofy stuff because he knows it adds to the manic tenor. But I love the hand like flicking off. I love the hand like flicking him off and like the hand crawling around and the hand making... Well, why why I, does the hand basically have a mouth? Why does the hand I, like, make like mouth noises? <laughs> yeah. I just... I, I love the... Now, obviously, I knew it was coming only because I had seen Army of Darkness, but I still respect the chutzpah or whatever to be like, oh, yeah, so our main character cuts off his own hand in the first mm-hmm. 20 minutes, and then, like, he just doesn't have a hand anymore. And also, the hand is going to become kind of one of the main characters, and, like, the amount of... You know, I I feel like movies, especially now, but I feel like this has always been the case, has been like, they've been afraid to cause any permanent thing that can't be undone. And that's even more true in the age of franchise filmmaking, though I like a lot of the franchises. It's like, yeah, you can't just do something like that because then you have to deal with it for the rest of the movie. You have to deal with it for potential sequels. Like, it's a big thing to do, right? It would be easier for that to be like another one of his possession dreams right like he wakes up and sees his hand is there and it's it's fine you get to do the sequence but you don't have to spend the rest of the fucking movie with him hiding his hand until he decides to put a chainsaw on it um and i always appreciated like from Raimi and army of darkness and everything else where it's like no he's fine doing these things that other movies don't do for convenience sake where it's like, nah, that'd be a pain in the ass if we had to do that. Let's not do that. Um, and so not only do you have this amazing sequence, it did feel like anything could happen. If the main character could cut off his own hand with a chainsaw, like, how is anyone safe in this movie? Which is ultimately why it is so, like, so fun. Because, not like, sure, no one is safe. Everyone dies. Uh, but also Bruce Campbell doesn't get a happy ending uh, in any incarnation of this movie series. And the other thing I'll mention is that even though you realize Raimi's a genius, even though I would posit that Bruce Campbell from a like line delivery perspective has never been better than army of darkness. Like his physical acting is it's Bruce Campbell's had a wonderful career. It is so hard not to watch evil dead Two and army of darkness and not go. Yeah, but he should have had a way better one. Like, you know, he probably wouldn't say that, but God, him wrestling his own hand, mm-hmm. which is possessed and realizing not only is he making the hand its own like entity in that moment, but then he is fighting that hand through all these like elaborate shots. You just realize, like, I don't think I've ever seen like physical acting like that. Yeah, the way his hand drags his entire body, I was like, how? I mean, I guess I could figure out how they're doing it, but it fe- it feels insane while it's happening. It feels like real and like I don't know. It it, it, it it's kind of scary and it's crazy how he can manipulate his own body that way. 
And the yeah. fact that he can still, they really, they really make this clear in Army of Darkness where like his double is splitting off from him. Um, but like the fact that when you're getting your body possessed by these things, it's not like it's like, no, you're cool. Like this is our flesh now. You don't feel anything like he that mix of joy and excitement and pain when he actually stabs his hand, his possessed yeah. hand, because like he feels stabbing his hand, but also he's like, I got you, fucker. <laughs> like that, like that mix of excitement is all in Ram- in, in uh, Campbell's face. Like I, yeah. I that, that that's such a credit to the film that like his face the whole movie could just be Campbell I don't ultimately think that the movie is improved by having other people there except for that horror movies a horror movie trope is that they have a body count and it's kind of fun to see you know more people get ripped apart by more of the house but do I care about any of those characters in particular like no uh, well, yeah, researcher, I think- the researcher's great, but other than that, like you know, her boyfriend's a dud. Uh, the the two rednecks are kind of like, yeah, it's, it's like they're, they're fun, but like they're not like I'm in no way emotionally attached to them on a on a level that I I am with Campbell, you know. Which is also why I think uh, Army of Darkness and the other character scenes works the best because in Army of Darkness he specifically sees everyone else as like an extension of a way to defeat the evil. Like there as much tools as his chainsaw and his shaka, right? Like he doesn't, he doesn't see them as, as equals on any level or other human beings, which is part of the fun of that movie. But here, because like he is giving them, you know, okay, now we're all in this together and they have a level of control over him and that they can lock him in the basement and he's trying to convince them that in some ways that he's right and there's an evil to be defeated and all that stuff. Like, it's it, it's not as fun as it is in Army of Darkness, those, like, person-to-person scenes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I, in Army of Darkness, they were like, we're going to have a, a true cast um, character interactions, people are going to have redemptive arcs. And this one, it's like, well, I mean, people stopped trying to kill Ash at some point. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, they killed all his friends and his girlfriend. Like, we need more people. I could talk about the magic of, like, how even, like, the dumbest special effects shot in the movie, which is that big head coming through the window, is still You don't like the big or... head? I think it's a great concept, but they, but oh, because Raimi is such amazing. a good director. But uh, Raimi was having trouble with that on set, get, making it actually work. So he was just like, I'm going to throw in a few, you know, kooky ke- techniques to make the shot actually work. Um, I think once like you I, get like the the hand coming through, it's pretty good, though. Oh, the hand looks great, weirdly enough. It's the it's 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 the fact that the head mostly can just like open its jaw and close its jaw, open its jaw. And, close <laughs> its jaw, and then by the time they get to the and then by the time they get to the sequel, they're like, we can make a thousand skeletons do whatever the fuck we want. Like, that's kind of where the contrast comes for me. Yeah, it feels kind of like Guar, you know, when they had a like giant. <laughs> head on stage eating people right <laughs> it's not really articulated it's just kind of like a fish mouth like up and down <laughs> yeah like it's one of those things that gets the the more time on screen it, it exists the less cool it is yeah like the, the the moment it bursts through the window you're like this movie can do that mm-hmm. but then as it sort of starts to hang out and you're like yeah i guess big head can probably go home <laughs> it, it also yeah you're right though because he's like uh i don't know let's use that one lens where it just looks like everything's squashed vertically why <laughs> i don't know 
<laughs> Otherwise, it looks like shit. But I think when they actually it, yeah, show trying to. That's him trying to fix it because he was having trouble on set, actually, like making the effect look cool. Similar to like Jaws with the the shark, like Spielberg had to get interesting when, you know, the shark was malfunctioning. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, which which I guess means that probably like Big Head versus Jaws is the best movie of all time. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a bunch of shit that doesn't work and two amazing filmmakers at their prime have to figure it out. Yeah, I, uh, I I feel like now that you've said that, some AI system is going to pick that up and then make it into a Sci-Fi Channel original movie. Or it's going to be a weird Pornhub search. <laughs> versus Jaws. <laughs> uh, yeah, we can go to Final Thoughts, I think, on that. Yeah. Uh, on that note, uh... if, you want, if you want, I can throw in like 10 more minutes of ranting, but I feel like I can save, I can save both of you guys that. Uh, I'm going to put my name in one cell and then a one. <laughs> In, a, in 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 one B, mm-hmm. and then uh, yeah, we'll go from there. No, uh, uh, I I really like that we've gotten to this point as a show that we feel good enough to do stuff like Evil Dead Two, and yeah, we we did big movies, or at least big movies to like Peter and myself, like Possession and stuff like that early on. But I, I don't think it was till like, Night of the Living Dead after Romero died. And we still kind of, like, excused it a little bit. We're like, look, obviously, we are not a good enough show yet to just do Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead and stuff like that. But Romero just died. It's our way of honoring him. Like, and I feel like we almost had to convince ourselves of that. And I, I know this sounds self-aggrandizing as I wrap up Evil Dead 2, but... This is like one of those movies when you start a movie podcast, you're like, well, at some point we got to get to Evil Dead 2, but we're just not there yet. And um, it's not – it doesn't feel like a movie that needs to be introduced to people. It just is like – it's also a movie that is tough to do sometimes because you feel like, well, how much effusive praise can people listen to? Like, how much do they want to just hear us go, and this scene rules, and we become like a Chris Farley show version of our podcast. And I think that, like, one of the reasons why Evil 2 is not just a great movie, but just a great connection point, it's that, like, at this point, I've introduced it to every single person in my family, like – from my my i mean I, as long time listeners know i have a very big family uh we've all sat in my basement five six years ago and watched evil dead 2 followed by army of darkness and everyone including the ones that are crazy christian still and the ones that are normal um are like all love this movie it is just a perfect movie that i feel like brings everyone together and that can be sometimes challenging to talk about on a on a podcast like ours because you kind of want to be able to say, well, critically, I didn't think this was that good or something like that. And I, I think one thing that Peter and I have discovered as we do this more and more is that, like, sometimes it is just fun to, like, share joy as you talk about something. And the reason I'm saying that in relation to this movie is I feel like this is the movie equivalent of that. So it's a perfect – a perfect movie to do that with. This is a movie that you bring to people in your life to share a joy. You're like, you are going to love this. This is like nothing you've never ever seen before. And I can attest to that as someone who has watched so many uh, Evil Dead-like movies that just don't quite hit that Evil Dead sweet spot. Peter and I talked about that when we did um, 
fuck, what were those movies? The Beyond. That when I first saw The Beyond, I was like, yeah. It's not – I'm not a huge fan of this. And the main reason that I wasn't a huge fan of it is that it was described to me as the Italian evil dead. <laughs> and that's what I wanted. And you just can't find this. There's not another evil dead 2 out there. There's stuff that's close. But you're not ever going to find this. And that is why it is a movie that I think brings people together, is referenced in stuff like High Fidelity, is something that I was so excited to build a month around – even if it was just other Evil Dead movies for this show, because it is a movie that, as I said at the beginning, like everyone can agree on. It is the movie equivalent of like showing someone the sun for the first time. And everyone goes, oh, cool. That's the fucking sun. Yeah. Not another one of those that's this close. Um, I'm, I, I like it. I like having light. And that was a weird way to wrap it up, but I lost the thread. But I hope you guys get what I'm saying. <laughs> So, uh, absolutely, absolutely. The yeah. So, uh, Charlie, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, on according to Google Sheets, you guys all got there. Oh yeah, I'm up. Sorry, yeah, sorry. I thought I was third. Yeah. I got it wrong. Uh, okay. So, I mean, there's something kind of magical about how actually like funny and scary this movie is that works really yeah. well in a way that no other horror movie just does. Period. You know, it's kind of like interesting that it's like an entry point for a lot of people into horror, but it's almost like a bait and switch. Because there's nothing else, <laughs> there's nothing else like it. If you're like, yeah, you're like fuck exactly. yeah, this is all I want to watch now. You know, it's like it, there's no filler in it. There's no fluff. There's no exposition. It's just like pure visceral joy <laughs> in this movie. Um, but like, there's nothing else like it. So I mean, it, there are moments where you just stop yourself. Like you're like laughing, like the chopped off hand is like flicking him off, and like you. Like are legitimately laughing, but then there's other moments where you're like, "Oh yeah, this still is like a fucking nightmare. Like this is terrifying, but is just so much brings me so much like, um, just like en- enjoyment to watch. It's just like it actually kind of a beautiful movie, like visually, you know, it's just like totally visually stimulating from like end to end. And I can't say that about any other movie, you know. Yeah, like I think you're right. Like I. I may have become an accidental fan of horror movies just because as I tried to watch other movies that I was hoping was going to be like Evil Dead 2, which there wasn't, I just became a fan of the genre. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I've seen so much at this point. Yeah, I, like I put it. enough time in, enough sweat sweat uh, equity had been put in. Yeah, like I was looking for uh, the next Animal Collective, and instead I just mm-hmm. uh, I just got into noise rock bands on accident, <laughs> like like something like that. Because it, you're right, like there isn't an equivalent of this. Yeah, it, it's like those bands where you're kind of like, this band's fucking amazing. There must be an entire genre of bands like this that I want to get into. <laughs> yeah. And like Animal Collective, there is not. Like you can get into no. other like freak folk bands and other things of that era but there's no there's nothing else anything like it, it, it which is yeah amazing and disappointing at the same time but i do think it does cause you to, animal collective is such a great example just because like i do feel like i accidentally got into dirty projectors for different reasons trying to find the next animal collective mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you're trying to scratch that itch and, and I, you find a new itch yeah exactly which is what which is really 
what happened, we'll talk about it more next week, with Evil Dead 2. Like, I loved Army of Darkness. I didn't like horror movies. I got obsessed with Evil Dead 2. And in my attempt to find other, like, 80s, well-regarded horror movies that would scratch the niche, I found Dawn of the Dead and other ones that just made me a horror fan. Like, I never found another Evil Dead 2, but it did still uh, impact what I ended up watching. Absolutely. Yeah, that's 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 terrific. Um, I'll make my final thoughts quick because I love this movie and I talk about it endlessly. So uh, my my thoughts on this this movie are kind of uh, there's a lot of it here, but it's all over the place as well. So um, I want to say that uh, being silly is brave. So like uh, there's a lot of horror films that are very self-serious that I love and they're very sober. Like I love Ben Wheatley movies, right? Like there's sort of this self-serious like dreariness to them. And like, you know, Sightseers is very funny, but like there's absolutely nothing funny in Kill List. Um, Like I love a lot of very self-serious kind of movies like that. Um, However, um, that's like an easy path towards respectability because it's hard to laugh at. Um, But uh, walking into... um, this comedic ground, this silly ground where people aren't sure if they're laughing at the movie or laughing with the movie and having a sort of cheap funhouse aesthetic um, does take the risk that when you go and when you're a filmmaker, especially like an indie filmmaker, or you're working with a smaller you know, distribution channel, you're going to have to tour that fucker around a lot. And you're r- taking the risk that every time that you show that movie to somebody, uh they are going to laugh at it in a wrong way that they're going to say, what is this bullshit? Or they're going to react to the comedy with the worst. Like there's nothing worse than watching a bad comedy, right? Cause you just, it just feels like your soul is being sucked from your body. You're just like, what am I supposed to do with this? Uh, I'm not laughing. I'm not, I'm getting a little angrier every minute that I'm not laughing. Like, yeah. And if you don't know what that experience is like, I would recommend crime. One. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, I think it's, it's because, like I think with horror movies if you're not scared you can at least like sort of enjoy an atmosphere but a comedy movie that doesn't make you laugh you're like <laughs> it just makes you feel like you're in an awkward conversation and you're not even sure if it's supposed to be funny like yeah what are you going for yeah so my point is being silly is brave that like you're uh, Sam Raimi saying I'm going to stake my claim on the world and saying I'm going to make this I'm going to make this movie that I just made is you know is considered a terrifying uh, terrifying experiment it made a shit ton of money in the United States and all over the world now it's time for me to follow that up I'm going to make it into an outright comedy him deciding to say that is like a brave move like he he easily this easily could have backfired into his face and it could have been a, an awful disaster especially after crime wave which we talked about a bunch like uh him making something that's more of an outright comedy and uh not only was it chopped to shit and and, and murdered by the producers but like the comedy aspects don't even work for like him and his little Michigan crew, right? Yeah. So, um, I just love I just love the audaciousness of of this, and it's like it, it's almost like Sam Raimi is like, take me seriously as a filmmaker. Also, have a fucking great time, and and that that sort of filmmaking is elusive. This sort of confidence, this this brash confidence that actually pans out and pays out is is rare uh it's something to be celebrated and the, the the singularness of this movie has already been highlighted a ton by aaron and aaron and charlie but like 
the the silliness I think needs to be celebrated too. Yeah, what's really interesting is that the sense of humor and the silliness is the same as Crime Wave. It just doesn't work in that movie. Like it, it doesn't know how to ground. Ground might not be the right word, but it doesn't know how to surround surround the silliness. It doesn't know how to surround the silliness with other things that make that makes the silliness pop. And so instead, you just have like this free floating silliness that makes no fucking sense, and you you can't help but go. Oh, this is kind of embarrassing. Like when silliness doesn't work, it's really embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Which is <laughs> uh, which is why all the silly things you did in seventh grade are still seared into your mem- memory as like ways that you alienated your friends, even though they don't remember it at all. Because <laughs> because because those little moments of I'm going to do something a little silly, you're like, oh, I wrote my life. Yeah, or how <laughs> or the conference call was on the other day where I did a Shrek impression where he says donkey and no one fucking laughed at all. <laughs> it was painful. Not great. It was real painful. Like you don't understand. It's ironic because no one would be doing a donkey impression, and they're like, we you work it universal kind of <laughs> like we're very pro shrek here <laughs> you can't be doing an ironic donkey uh-uh. wrong crowd i guess because my boss was scottish and like is here and i'm like no he's not on but i'll do my best scottish impression and i was like donkey and no one <laughs> that's pretty good and no that's one good. laughed at all uh is your team is your team like all gen x people yeah like uh if you had more millennials and zoomers on your team you would have had more lols so think about that next time you're hiring someone oh god it was awful dude yeah yeah definitely if you're hiring someone be like how do you feel about lols (laughs) (laughs) no i'm just gonna do my shrek impression and see how they how they react in the interview you know you're gonna be like fucking david brent Mm -hmm. (laughs) like monkey yes um, except do a Shrek figure as you walk them. <laughs> the thing is, you weren't referencing like something obscure. I'm pretty sure 90% of that room knew you were referencing Shrek, right? 100% of them did. <laughs> yeah, they just didn't care like, for you it. You guys have seen the movie Shrek? <laughs> <laughs> you point to a Shrek poster because no one has seen it. Here, Don't get And then you just set your background as, as Shrek and Fiona. <laughs> Get it? We're a little bit of a. We like to call this floor that we all work on the Shrek deck because we're such big. <laughs> oh my god! We're just we're just big Shrek heads, you know. Donkey, donkey. Oh oh, cut all this out. Oh. Uh, oh, no, wait, we'll, yeah, we won't see where you work, but we're gonna leave some of it in. All right, just leave my donkey, <laughs> my my Shrek impression, and like apropos nothing. Uh, next week we're doing Army of Darkness. With Carrie Nelson, and then we're wrapping it up with our Halloween special. Uh, uh, me, scary for- Nelson. Scary Nelson. Hey, we should come up with Halloween names for our Halloween special. Uh, but we're doing all of Ash vs. the Evil Dead, and we didn't mention it at the onset, but if you're like, where are your Spooktober recaps? It's Spooktober. Uh, check the feed, because we're doing separate episodes uh, so that we don't have to <laughs> make our guests listen to us uh, or our or our audience listen to us talk about uh the way that we've organized our list when they just want to hear about evil dead so check that out in the feed otherwise you guys i'll swallow your soul but i mean that in a positive way because this was so heartwarming Mm -hmm. and i want it inside me 
Oh, I thought you meant like you'll swallow her soul. Like you're really into like feet stuff. Yeah, I don't think it's good to swallow the whole thing. Yeah, probably not. You wanna you wanna lick? I'd be it. impressed if you if you're anaconda like. It's your that's your wasp, right? Your wet ass soul. <laughs> <laughs> good night. Good night. Good night. Thank you so much for listening to We Love to Watch. If you made it to the end, hopefully you liked what you heard today. And if you'd like to hear more, please go to patreon.com slash we love to watch. And if you can chip in a few bucks, that would really help us keep the lights on and keep us moving forward. Uh, it wasn't an implicit threat by Peter. He just didn't know how to say it. But either way, we'll continue to make more. But it would be helpful uh, as we explain to our loved ones where all our money is going, which is all on server space. Uh, <laughs> if you can't, <laughs> uh, if you don't have a few bucks to chip in, we totally understand and you want to support the show. We truly, absolutely would appreciate a uh, review on iTunes. I know every podcast says it, and it's because it really does help. And so every podcast wants that help. So please go leave us a positive review so that when people find this show organically, they hopefully want to tune in and listen. And thanks again for all of your listenership and support and time throughout the years. Uh, We really do appreciate you. Uh, With kisses and smooches, Peter and Aaron. (laughs) Mm. <laughs> <laughs>